Hi there, I'm Julie. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church podcast. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Steve, and this is my wife, Jackie, and we'd like to tell you about an exciting new opportunity to learn about the healing powers of God's love. I was raised in a Christian home, and as a child, I was prepared for that worship service, even beginning on Saturday evening. My shoes were always polished, my dress was ironed, my hair was curled, and I had this great big bow in my hair. I was ready to go meet God. I always had to make sure, though, that my behavior matched that dress. As I grew, I continued to feel that way, that my relationship with Jesus was preparation on Saturday night for a performance on Sunday. I discovered I was missing something that that Sunday morning relationship was not all that it was meant to be. I was missing the joy of a relationship of a Savior. I prayed for an open window, something to see into my soul. Fortunately, we met a team of people at our church in Richmond who said, we've heard about a new study, a new ministry, It's titled Celebrate Recovery. Well, we did a little research and discovered that what I had been doing my entire life, Jesus was a little disappointed. He wanted that personal relationship with me, one that walked with him daily and hourly, something that I could demonstrate to others that could put joy in their life. Even when struggles seemed so overwhelming, we got involved with the Celebrate Recovery, found it again here in Harrisonburg, and it's one thing that I want to share because Jesus now lives in my heart all week long. Celebrate Recovery is a very thoughtful, personal, uh, and sometimes a very demanding journey. We have all been hurt by people. We have all hurt ourselves and we've all hurt other people. Hurts are those wounds that we get um, just from life. Uh, Life has lots of hurts. Hang-ups are the things that we develop within ourselves, our self-protection devices that we create, and those lead to habits. And those habits are often destructive and create a cycle of insanity that's very, very hard to get out of. It's that cycle that prevents us from becoming everything that God wants us all to be. Next month, Steve and I would like to host a study and invite you to join us. It's titled Life's Healing Choices. And in this study, we're going to learn some very fundamental steps that will help us find those choices that we need to make in our lives daily. Whether this is your first time visiting with us or you're a longtime member with a big pretty bow in your hair, we all have struggles. Life's Healing Choices and Celebrate Recovery share the same principles, and those principles, if studied, can lead us to happiness and healing. Please join us.
I am so uh, grateful for the ministry of Celebrate Recovery here at HFCN, a ministry that really seeks to journey with people through their hurts and habits and hang-ups. And Steve and Jackie that you just saw on the screen have been a, a vital part of that ministry throughout the past year. And really, uh, what we're doing over the next few weeks is offering an opportunity. Maybe, like Jackie, you know what it's like to struggle with this idea of relationship and what that looks like and how that impacts all your other relationships. This is an eight-week study offered on Sunday morning. We don't do that a lot. We don't offer a lot of Sunday morning stuff. We like worship to kind of be the focus of Sunday morning, but this is important enough to us that we feel like it's important enough to offer as an opportunity to walk through the Beatitudes and understand how some of the recovery principles and celebrate recovery, you might not be able to commit on a Monday evening, but this is a very uh, easy entry point on a Sunday morning to find uh, throughout the eight weeks um, how to take new steps in, in your relationship. So you're invited. You see information on the screen. You can register online or stop by the Connection Center today. I would love uh, to encourage you to be a part of this new opportunity. Uh, I got to tell you, though, as we transition into the message portion of our time of worship together today, I can't say enough how passionate I am uh, about the topic that we're going to be talking about over these next couple weeks. I, I remember this summer, I was just kind of in this real new place of being a lead pastor here and trying to figure out what that looked like. And I actually remember I was with my kids at the pool and I was praying like, Lord, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? And I just it's weird, but like when you have four kids, the Lord speaks at you all different places. So I was at the pool and um, just praying and seeking him. And I remember where I was when he, he really shared the, the vision of this series with me. And the reason that these next three weeks are important, the reason that I feel, like if I were you, man, I would pray in about, Lord, who is it that you wanna, want me to invite to hear over these next couple weeks? It's because really for two reasons, that the topic that we're going to talk about is it's relevant. Whoever you are, however old you are, young you are, whatever season of life you are, this is a topic that relates to you right where you are, but it's not just a topic that's relevant, it's a topic that's necessary. Necessary. Like as your, as your pastor, as somebody that cares for you, I, I feel like this is essential that we talk about this, maybe on a regular basis, but specifically over these next couple weeks, and that's the topic of relationships. Relationships. This is what I believe, and this is what I hold to be true, that you and I, we cannot obey the will of God in our life without making relationships with others a priority, without making our relationships a priority, that this is not an optional thing. This is not just for people that want to care. This is not just for extroverted people. Or for, this is the call for all of us that if we are going to obey the will of God in our life, we have to care about relationships. And so over the next three weeks, we're launching this series called The Unfriending, which is based on kind of that social media phenomenon of you have friends and then you can cancel out friendships, right? You can unfriend them. And really, the kind of the subtitle of the series, as I was sitting that day praying about what it is that we would want, that God would want to say, I kind of heard him say in my heart that these are the relationship killers, these are the things, like over the next three weeks, that insert themselves into all our relationships, and if we're not careful, they steal, kill, and destroy every meaningful relationship we have. And so this week, we're going to begin talking about the root of that. What is the root of that? In John chapter 15, this is kind of, the, the, for the whole series, kind of the passage, the main idea is these words of Jesus. Jesus says, my command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love 
has no one than this, that you lay down your life. The call of Jesus to love is to lay one's life down. And so this series would say, if Jesus is called, Jesus says, loving others. If Jesus says love looks like laying down your life, what is the opposite of that? And how do we avoid it? And that's what this series calls us to do, is to think about what does it mean to lay down our life, but then what is the opposite of that, and how do we avoid that? How do we run the other direction from those kind of choices in our life? And so today we begin with the root. What I believe is the key, is the focal point, is, and so for that reason, it's a good week that you're here. It's a good Sunday to be here. This is the core, I believe, this is the root, because if we're going to disobey Jesus' call to lay down our life, this is the center of it all. And it's the idea of pride. Pride. That for you and for me, oftentimes in the midst of broken, hurting relationships, in the midst of struggle, and man, I understand today that there is some real pain in the room when we talk about relationships. That this is deep water. These are deep wounds. And oftentimes in the midst of that hurt, in the midst of that pain, is this idea of pride. The reason that pride is the root The reason is because it's become so pervasive, so pervasive in our culture, so pervasive in our world, so pervasive even in the church, that it is accepted and even encouraged in the world in which we live, that pride exists beneath the surface, beneath the surface, unchallenged and unrecognized and festering and growing and gaining strength and eventually choking out every single meaningful relationship you and I have. That's what pride does. Like a weed in your garden growing beneath the surface, but soon it shoots up and quickly chokes out the life of every meaningful thing around it. That is what pride does in your life and in my life. It is toxic. And so this morning, if you would open up the word to Matthew chapter 22 with me. If you have your copy of God's word, that's where we're going to be. And if you have our our version, our Bible app, we have an event set up there if you want to go to it with some notes and other things for you today. But but this is what it says in Matthew chapter 22, words of Jesus that if you're not new, if you've been around the church for a little while, these are not new words to you and I. But these are the focal point. These are the turning point for you and I when it comes to relationship. And so we're going to begin reading in verse 36 of Matthew 22. If you follow along with me, this is God's word for us. Verse 36 begins with this teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law that's a great question isn't it isn't it and the religious leaders there were two groups of people there were the group of people that everything jesus said man they wanted to hear more and they wanted to listen more and they wanted to understand more but then there's this other group of people the religious elite that had their act together and and they checked all the boxes and they studied and memorized every law and they had it all down but they were intimidated by jesus They didn't like, they were threatened by him. And so this group over here decides we're going to test him. We're going to see if this Jesus, he says he's the son of God. So Jesus, tell us of all the prophets and of all the laws and the Torah, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus responds this way as we continue reading in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then I don't want you to miss verse 40, a profound thing that Jesus says in the presence of these religious leaders. He says, all 
The law and prophets hang on these two commands. Everything that you know, everything in the Old Covenant that you've read and that you've studied and that you have worshipped and you've committed to memory, everything hangs in the balance of these two commandments. And so if if Jesus is saying that, if Jesus is saying it all hangs on these two things, man, I got to lean into that. I got to look a little bit deeper. Jesus is identifying not a religion, Jackie talked in the video about a religion where you have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. And Jesus came, and it was about relationship. And so he's coming to show us that it's first about this vertical relationship. We have to love God with all. And then we love our neighbor. When we get those two confused, when we get those out of order, when we try to love others more than we love God, man, our theology and our church and the things that we do gets really out of line because we're supposed to love him first. And then love others. And this is important. This is important because for you and for me, uh, it's not possible to really love others if we don't love him first, if we're not in right relationship with him. I can like you. I can be kind to you. I can love you when I feel like it. But man, the agape love, the love that is unconditional, man, that love is only possible when we understand our our relationship first with God, when, when we get our vertical relationship in line. We love others because God's love for us makes loving others possible. It is the fruit of a loving relationship with God. The fruit of that is that we love others. Everything hangs on this. And I'm here to tell you today that I believe pride. Pride begins when these two commandments, simple commandments, right? Love God first and then love others. When we get these two commandments distorted, when they get disrupted, when they get confused in our lives, that is where pride comes in. And I, I've never seen it quite like this before, but as I was studying, even this week, the Lord showed me this. And I, for just a minute, I want to explain that to you. I want to explain why these two commandments, the vertical relationship and then the horizontal, why getting these two right, and when we do that wrong, that's when pride enters the picture. When I'm in right relationship with God, it's not just that I love Him, but I recognize how much He loves me. I recognize that I'm made in the image of God, that literally, even though I'm clumsy and weird, but I am a reflection of the image of God and what that does in my life when I'm in right relationship with him, it shows me my value. It shows me what I'm worth. It shows me, and I begin to understand who I am in Christ. And because of that, I understand and read that Jesus gave his life for me. That's how valuable I am. That scripture says that he's written my name on the palm of his life. That's how valuable that he knows the hairs on my head that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when I, am in, when I get this relationship right, then I begin to understand the value that I have, the significance that I have in my life. That's significant because we can understand our value and we don't have to earn it and we don't have to prove ourselves When we have this relationship right, man, it settles something deep within us, a hole, a void that only this relationship can settle. And so I can enter into these relationships in a much different way. But what happens when we get this disrupted? When this relationship, when this relationship between me and God, this love relationship is not what it should be, then there's a void here. There's a hole here. There's a searching for significance here that can't be settled here. You see what I'm saying? I take the void in this relationship and I bring it into every other relationship. That's why I've gotten the privilege to sit with a few couples before they get married, you know, and I'll look at them and I'll say, man, if you're entering into this relationship because you're hoping that person will make you happy, you're in for a rude awakening. 
I love you, Lauren. You make me very happy, okay? But listen, listen to what I'm saying. There is a void here. There is a void here that can only be filled in this relationship. And so when I take that void, my li- I don't feel like I'm significant. I don't feel like I'm valuable. I don't feel, and I bring that into every other, not just a romantic relationship, but friendships and, and, and work, rela- every single thing. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to earn significance. I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to show that I have value. I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm wrestling and I'm searching and I'm running and I'm chasing. And I'm, why? Because I, I haven't settled this relationship first. Now in this relationship, I, I, there's a void there there's something and so what do we do we're afraid to not measure up we're afraid of getting left behind we're so focused on filling this void with stuff or whatever makes us feel good and so what happens we overcompensate and that's where pride enters in because suddenly every relationship becomes about me how do I feel how does this person help me how does this person serve my needs I'm not happy I'm not getting what I want I'm not and look, 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 I understand there's destructive relationships where we need to not always, you know, be a doormat. For, I understand that, but I'm just talking about the root of pride is rooted when this relationship between us and God is not in line. Because when this relationship is not in line, then we enter into other relationships asking them to fill a void that they cannot fill for us. And so what does it do? We become scared, anxious, afraid. We have to prove ourselves. We have to measure up. We have to self-promote, right? Right? We have to, because we don't believe we're valuable, and because we feel scared, we have to overcompensate by showing everyone else, look how valuable I am. Look how good I am. Look, we, we have to give ourselves gold stars, or, or we're constantly seeking pats on the back from other people. Why? Because we haven't recognized that our value comes first from our God that created us, that loved us, that knit us together. That's what the scripture says. That's how fearfully and wonderfully you are made. And so what, what does that do? It creates pride, where we have to take credit for everything we do. We're worried about getting left behind. Why? Because there's a void, a value of significance there that nothing else and no one else can fill. That is pride. Pride is the worship of self. And the enemy of your soul today, man, he doesn't have to make you go off on the deep end. He doesn't have to make you, you know, abandon everything that's good and right and true and just like that can happen, man, but the enemy of your soul, all he has to do is turn your attention towards yourself and start making you believe that you have to search for significance and that everyone else has to, and suddenly it just becomes about me and me and me and what does this do for me? How does this benefit me? What about me? Our churches today, right, in America, I can't speak for anywhere else, but our churches in America are filled with people that come every day saying, what is in it for me? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Man, I hope you love this church, and yeah, I hope it ministers to you, but it's not about me. That's where pride comes in. And what does pride do? It will steal, kill, and destroy every meaningful relationship you have. That's what pride does. And so what does God's word say about that in James 4? It says this, that God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. Man, when I hear that, that's significant to me because it's not just when you're living prideful, it's not just that you're living in opposition to God. He is in opposition to you. Think about that for a minute. Think about the kind of frustration that you would sense in your life if you're living in opposition to God. 
If you're, consider why you would be frustrated. Why, why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't God helping me? Why isn't God, because you are living in opposition to his will for you. That's why. God can't bless pride. God can't help pride because it is in opposition. He opposes the proud. That's what the word of God tells us that God does when we live a prideful relationship. And so this morning, I, I want to stop for a minute and acknowledge that anytime we talk about relationships, there are some people in the room that, man, your hurt and your pain is so deep. And because of the baggage, I, I, and I just want to stop and say, I, I see you today. And, and this is not a one-size-fits-all. I understand that. That you're saying, man, Adrian, if you only knew the things, I, yeah, I, I get that. That some of us in relationships, we've had to stand up for ourselves a little bit because we've been hurt and abused. And Man, I understand there's depth there. And so please don't hear what I'm not saying. In fact, one of my greatest prayers for you today, if that's you, over these next couple weeks, that you could find real hope and real healing through relationships. That maybe this year, this year could become about taking a, a first step. Like there's going to be lots of steps on the journey, but in those relationships where there's real pain and it's been so toxic and it's been so damaging that maybe you could take a step. And, and one right answer is my heart was just, how can we help you? And so if you follow us on our YouVersion app, the Bible app, we've just listed some things there, some resources, some ways that we can walk with you as a church, that we can help you take steps in these. Because I understand some of you, I see it in your eyes. There's pain there. There's hurt there. This is difficult, but I would be disobedient to God if I didn't tell you today that the root of so much pain and so much hurt in our relationships comes back on pride. So many times when our relationships are broken, we want to look at them. What are they doing? How are they hurting? And I get that. But maybe this morning, God wants us to begin with us. Maybe we begin with us saying, before I worry about them, before I worry about what they're doing, before I worry about what if I begin with me, God help me, help me in this area of pride. What are some symptoms of what pride might look like in a relationship? There's lots of symptoms. Here, here's a few. Maybe you're frustrated that the other person won't change and won't change fast enough according to your standard or your desire. Maybe that's because pride has come in inserted itself. Maybe today you would begin by looking at yourself and the steps you need to make in that relationship. What if you, you measure the relationship based on how satisfied you are? Man, that's dangerous. Man, that's destructive. It's not that I, it's not that I don't want you to be satisfied in your relationships. That's, God wants that for you. But it's the litmus test of every relationship in our life is how happy am I, how much happiness does it bring me. That is a slippery slope, and it's an it's a end, it's a path that will lead to destruction. Quietly, you believe you're the best one in the relationship. You sometimes even feel embarrassed by the other person. Pride. It, it exists beneath the surface. It's so pervasive. But if we're not careful, we give permission to this kind of living. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow after me, you've got, to, you've got to lay down your life. You've got to take up your cross. Now, what is the opposite of that, man? The opposite of that is pride. Me, me, me. And there's just no place for that in God's kingdom. So what is the opposite of pride? What does it mean? What is the, the antidote? What is, well, Jesus, man, right? But what does that look like practically for you and for me? That if pride is this worship of self, if pride is this idolatry of really putting ourselves first, even before worshiping God, we worship ourselves. And what would the opposite of that be? 
man, as I studied and as I prayed, the word that kept coming to mind is the word humility. Humility. And there's a lot of confusion between that. Like, when is it pride and when is it confidence? And when is it, and I, I get that, man, because I grew up my whole life really, I, I got so frustrated at arrogant people. It just bothered me so much that I almost overcompensated. So then any time in my life, someone would compliment me like, Adrian, you did a great job. Oh, no, no. Like, it's just, you know, you've got people like that. You try to compliment them and they're like, oh, no, no. it's like frustrating. Like, dude, you did a good job. Just say thanks, you know. But that was me. My whole, why? Because I was so afraid of being arrogant, so afraid of being prideful. And I didn't understand this. But this week, as I was studying, I feel like the Lord really helped me understand what this idea of humility is all about. And so you, you might not be like a note taker person. We're not in school. You're not in class. I get that. But I just think this might help some of us in the room today. Maybe just me, but maybe someone else. And this is what it says. This is humility. Humility, if, if pride is the worship of self and being led and guided only by what, what I want and what I need, this is humility. Humility is stepping forward, not based on who you are or what you can do, but based on who God is and what he can do through you. <laughs> listen, listen. Pride says, pride says it's about you and what you can do, and that is an exhausting way to live. Some of you are so good and so talented, and you can keep up the act, and your social media, man, it looks good. All the, you know, like that's what we got to do. We got to project this perfect, and, and some of you can do that, but for a lot of us, man, that is an exhausting way to live. But that's not how we're called to live. Humility, humility, no, no, no. It's not always based on what I can do or who I am, but it's based on who God is and what he can do. Do you see the difference? Do you see how it's like, it's like somebody that can have blurry vision, right? And they're living and they're just squinting all the time and then they put on the glasses and they're like, oh, this is, pride is like that. It just, it fogs our vision. It bl- we, we can't really see. But then when we take those glasses off or we put on the identity of humility, then we get to see, oh, wait, 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 it's not really about how gifted I am, how qualified I am. It is about who God is and what he can do if I will allow him a game changer not just in your relationships but in in your life as i was praying last night and this morning i was praying for you and i was praying about the series and i gotta be honest like you start preaching on pride man the lord all week's like how about your pride adrian how you doing you know that was not been fun i'm gonna be honest but i felt like the lord said this to me he said adrian don't underestimate what hangs in the balance this morning Don't underestimate this idea of pride and how maybe this morning one decision in one person's life could change the course of, like you might be a young person here and you're kind of checked out like this doesn't, no, 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 show me the life of a young person that's committed to living in right relationship with God and and I can show you a young person that can change the world. They can make a difference. They can, like, like this matters so much. And for some of us, this might be the thing. This might be the thing holding us back from being everything that God's called us to be. And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize or over, but I just felt the importance, the weight of this truth of this moment for us today. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to, to just stand to your feet, if you would, as we prepare to close. And we're going to just dim the lights for a moment, and we're just going to create space. Sometimes that's what this is on Sunday morning. We just have to create space because... We don't do that very well on our own. We don't naturally create space for us to just listen to the voice of God. 
to just respond to him. And so one of our greatest opportunities on Sunday morning is to just create space, great opportunity, some stillness to listen to the voice of God. As I was praying for you and for me, and I was thinking about this idea of humility, I was thinking a little bit about what does that look like? What does it look like to respond in humility? And I just, I couldn't get past just a physical response. And this is not, it's not a pressure thing, but this is just where I began to think and pray about what's a posture of humility. What does that look like? And I just kept coming back to this idea of kneeling. And you may not be a kneeling person. That's okay. I understand everybody's from different backgrounds and different, and I get that. But I was actually doing research, like what, where did that begin? And what is that about? And as I studied and I looked, you know, kneeling is kind of this universal posture of surrender. And we know that because literally, if you were standing before, you were like in a war and you're surrendering, you're actually physically placing yourself lower. You're placing yourself kind of at the feet of whoever it is. And the neat thing about kneeling is literally you're in a place of surrender because you can't physically escape. You're putting yourself in such a position that you're confessing and you're admitting that I, I, can't, I can't escape. I, I, I surrender. I can't physically get up and run away. I thought that was a beautiful posture of surrender. And so this, I'm going to ask you for a minute to just close your eyes and bow your head. And I don't know who it is this morning, but I know you're here. <laughs> I just, I felt the Lord that strongly speak to me. And you don't have to kneel. That's not, that's religion. But in your heart today, something's got to happen. In your heart today, something's got to change because it's been me, me, me for so long. And if you're not careful, if you keep walking that path, every relationship in your life will suffer. And so today, with, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you may just feel called today to kneel. You can do that right where you are. You don't have to come forward and kneel, just right where you are. And in doing that, it's just a posture. It's just a posture that says, Lord, this is what you're doing in my heart, and, and I just outwardly, I want to reflect that. I surrender. I'm, I'm going to stop running away. I'm going to place myself in a vulnerable place before you because that's what humility would do. Pride says, oh no, stand up tall. Run away. No, no, no. But humility says, Lord, I, I bow low. I humble myself. And so today you're just invited. If that's you, if that's how you want to respond, we're not going to belabor the point. I'm not pressuring you. I'm just inviting you. If you want to kneel today, and by doing it, just saying, Lord, I'm, I humble myself. Humble myself. That's what it says in James. Like God opposes the proud, but oh man, he blesses. He gives favor to the humble. I want to live a life, God, that you can give favor to, that you can give blessing to. And so right now, Lord, I just humble myself. We'll pause just another minute today. If that's you, and you just, you're invited to just kneel right where you are. And by doing it, you're saying, God, I humble myself. I'm turning the corner. I can't keep going down this path anymore. Jesus, we hear the voice of your spirit today calling us, inviting us. It's not always about me. And Lord, that feels scary to some, but when we can come out from under that, there is real rest. There is real hope. Oh, there's freedom from knowing we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to... Oh, Lord, free us today from the demands that pride puts on us. And today we surrender. 
some of us are kneeling and it's just an outward posture of what you're doing in our heart of saying, Lord, I humble myself today. I humble myself. The promise that you can bless that kind of life. As we continue to pray, as some of us continue to kneel, listen to the words of this song. May this be a prayer, an attitude of our heart today. Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and at 11.45 a.m. for our Spanish service. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes. 